Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand and he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin on his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. He had been anointed in the presence of God. The Bible says that his face shone and we know that he then takes a veil. Right, And so there's this outward experience that takes place and everyone's going like, how come my face is not shiny? It is if you don't wash it long enough. Matthew 17, 2, it says, He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. There is something powerful when we start talking about anointed ones. So when these people in the Old Testament in the New Testament were anointed, there was a change in their countenance. There was a change in their disposition. There was a, a radiant glow around them. I know we're thinking that I'm going down to help you with like, maybe it's me or maybe it's Maybelline, but... But I really do believe that as, believe, as Christians, as followers of Christ, when we are anointed in Him our countenance changes, our disposition changes, you know, our, our outlook on life, how we approach others, how we in, and all of a sudden there is a radiance about us and it's the Holy Spirit as he begins to transform us. See, whenever the glory and the holiness of God became manifest, this is what happens. There is a change in the people's dispositions. I know we think that this is Old Testament concept or this happened back only in Jesus' time, but the reality is people that are walking in the Holy Spirit carry with them a spiritual countenance that is influential, that is encouraging, that is attractive, that brings hope, that brings life, that helps sustain. It's the truth. It's the manifest presence of God in our life. It happens today. It really does. I would love it that as a church... That as we spend more time worshipping, as we spend more time in the Word, as we spend more time chasing after the things of God, we would begin to see an even brighter countenance radiate from us individually, but collectively right across the city. So when we talk about as a church, how are we influencing the city? I know we think constantly about programs and logistics and what missional work we're doing, but at the end of the day, that is just the symptoms of the Holy Spirit at transformational work in our life individually and collectively. And so when we think about our own life, when you think about your own life, when was the last time you looked in the mirror and said, look, I look better because of Jesus? I stand up straighter because of Jesus. I talk with more authority because of Jesus. I'm not afraid of my own faith, so I share it because of Jesus. This is what the anointing does in our life. This is what we're asking for this morning. This is what we're declaring when we say, oh, I'm going to be anointed this morning. You think about when Moses climbs the mountain to be in the presence of God, and Jesus, uh, you know, he, he is God, but he climbs a mountain anyway, and he takes the disciples with him to witness the glory and holiness. And when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that takes place, in both instances, people went to new levels. That's the reality. 
So when we think about our day-to-day, when we ask God, we should actually get up every morning and say, God, would you anoint me afresh this morning? Because we want to be found in his presence, because in his presence, we're taken to new levels. I mean, like when you, I'm not saying like you can dunk tomorrow because of the anointing. I wish. You got to work at that bad boy. But what I am saying is, all of a sudden, those conversations that will seem so much harder to have, you begin a lot to, to have it a lot more easily with confidence. But it doesn't just happen. You've, you've got to be found. You've got to ask for the anointing. You've got to ask God. How do you ask? You've got to read his word. You've got to see how the source of the anointing is found. I know we live in a modern day era and it annoys me like nothing else that sometimes you'll hear like the message preached that all you have to do is sort of turn up on a Sunday, worship collectively, and then you got the anointing. You're good to go. That's a lie. That's just a straight up lie. All you are is a puffed up balloon ready to be popped. And when you get popped, spit and everything goes everywhere and everyone's upset. The reality is when, when the Bible talks about anointing, there is a process that takes place. When the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit takes place, we all go to a new level. And I don't mean like super saiyan level, that that'd be awesome, right? Get a big, long, glowy hair. I'm talking about a new level of perspective, a new level of vision, a new level of faith. I'm talking about a new level of influence and on the physical and in the spiritual. I'm talking about all of a sudden when you used to be a timid you know, little man or little woman in your faith, you're now a roaring lion of confidence. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to call forth the lion of Judah that is roaming inside of you because you said yes to Jesus. He wants to let it off the chain and let Christ come alive so that you can go to another level you know that moment that jesus came it was no longer god with us but god that dwells in us that's an incredible change in how the holy spirit got to operate on this earth no longer with us but in us and it's important that you understand because that's just like the imagery that we see of the oil lamp That if Jesus is the source of the anointing oil inside our lamp, then we will burn bright and continually sustain what we are doing. We've got to start to see that it's no longer the oil outside the lamp, but it's the oil inside the lamp that we have in Jesus in our life when we ask him into our heart to start to transform us. And it's important you understand this because that spirit, the Holy Spirit, that now burns for Jesus inside us, will be the shining light to the nation, to the city, to your school, to your workplace. Don't burn your own oil. John writes this, that if, you, if you're sustained by the flesh, you're going to have to, you know, so if it's birthed by the flesh, you're going to have to sustain it by the flesh. And the problem with fleshly oil is that it runs out. It burns out. It's always out of season. It's always out of time. There's never enough of it. But when we have God, when we have Christ inside of us, and he's that oil, and it's that oil that the Holy Spirit is burning from, then we have an eternal flame, one that can't be extinguished, one that brings light, not just light, but life. You know, the image of the anointing and the Holy Spirit uh, was only visible for prophets, kings, and priests in Israel in the Old Testament. wasn't for the average person. You had to either be a prophet, a king, or a priest. And what would happen is, is that this would be the imagery 
for the future to come. It's the prelude for what is to come. Whenever a prophet or a king or a priest was anointed, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit followed. So the anointing happened first, and then the Holy Spirit followed. This can be seen among King David, King Saul. In 1 Samuel 10, 1 and 6, it says that Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on his head and kissed him and said, it is, not because, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them. And he turned into another man. He gets anointed. We see this. Holy Spirit turns on up, to, up on his end and falls on his life. And then he gets transformed into another man. That's the process. You get anointed. Holy Spirit turns up. You get transformed. We see it in David's life. When Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. There is a process. David went through this process. The priests went through this process. The kings like David and Saul, the prophets all go through this. Actually, if I look at this, this is the process we're called to go through. You know, that the fact that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit was something that was remarkable to the average person in Israel in the day. See, when he turns up, they acknowledge that he's anointed, that he is has the Holy Spirit on him. Jesus says this, he makes this, in a, he quotes Isaiah the prophet at one point. It clearly shows the connection between anointing and the Holy Spirit. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then directly afterwards, he tells why. He says, because of which he has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because of which he has anointed me. He goes on to say this. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and, and, and to set a liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke writes in Acts, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went out doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is interesting, and I know it sounds, by the way I've read it and by the way Scripture has put it, that Jesus went through the same process, anointed, Holy Spirit, transformation. But Jesus came with the Holy Spirit. He is God. So the issue with Christ was that he wasn't anointed first and then the Holy Spirit turned up. He is the anointed. He is God. He is the source of all anointing. And so when the Bible says that Jesus was anointed, it's not because he was anointed and the Holy Spirit turned up. It's the other way around. He had to be anointed because he is the anointing. That's what he's saying there. He's saying, hey, I'm not just one of the other prophets. I am the source of the anointing. The, the, the Father in heaven anoints me not because I am needing anointing, but he's acknowledging the fact that I am the source of it. The Spirit of the Lord rests upon me. You've got to know this morning that when we use the word Messiah, that word translated in Hebrew just means anointed one. If you didn't know that, you're welcome. 
So when, it makes sense now, right? When Jesus is walking around, everyone called him the Messiah. We think that they've had a revelation that he's come to save them, that he's their savior, but that's a different term. They're just saying this guy's anointed. Why? Because only the prophets would be called messiahs. Jesus wasn't the first messiah. He wasn't the only messiah walking around at that time. Because if you were a prophet and you were anointed, you were considered anointed one. You're a messiah. Or if you translate that to the Greek, you are Christ. Jesus Christ just means Jesus, anointed one. Pretty interesting, hey? Because all of a sudden, when we start talking about this, it'll make sense later on, but, but it also makes sense in the, the understanding that... So when Jesus came and he says, I am the anointed one, then he connects the identity of being anointed with the source of the anointing, and then he connects the anointing with the Holy Spirit, and then he connects the aim of the Holy Spirit and the anointing, which is to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, to, to, to give sight to the blind, physical and spiritual, to liberate and oppre- the oppressed, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is why the anointing has come. Not that you would just feel good about yourself, Not that you could have someone affirm you and say you're so anointed. The true anointing and the fruit of the anointing is are you preaching the gospel? Are you healing the brokenhearted? Are you proclaiming freedom to the captives, sight to the blind, physical and spiritual? Are you you seeing people liberated from spiritual and physical oppression? And is your life proclaiming the year of the Lord? This is, if you need a measure of are you living an anointed life, This is how you measure it. Why? Because this is how Jesus measured it. He said, I am who I am and I am the source of anointing. And because I am the anointing, I am the spirit of God. I am all of these things for this purpose. He didn't say so that I could just walk around and be affirmed or look good or wear the nicest shoes or drive the nicest car. He said it because he wants us to receive the full empowerment of the anointing, and that is to live for one's, uh, one's calling and not for oneself. Your calling is not selfish. You need to understand this. Your purpose is not... How do I know? Because all of a sudden I realize, hey, we're all called to preach the gospel. We're all called to heal the brokenhearted. We're all called to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and the the freedom to the oppressed. This is our calling. If you don't know what your purpose is this morning, it's that. It's all of our purpose. Now, how that looks, where we do that, the environment in which we operate that in might be different to each and every one of us. But at the end of the day, in your workplace, you should be preaching the gospel. You should be bringing hope to the hopeless. You should be being a source of restoration to those who are brokenhearted. You should be a source of freedom and liberty for those who don't even know they're captive. You should be those that are giving vision and sight to the blind, both physical and spiritual, which there's a mandate for us as Christians to pray for healing. We can barely talk about our own healing. All earthly materials, all people on earth, are naturally not holy. Ever thought about that? Nothing here on earth is holy. See, when the tabernacle was built, and that was the, the, the first construction in which was going to contain the holy presence of God, when the, the tabernacle was built, 
None of the materials were holy. The people who were about to become priests, they weren't holy yet. Everything became holy because of the anointing. Whatever was anointed became holy from that moment on. Exodus 40 uh, verse 9 to 10 says this, And you all shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and anoint all that is in it, and you shall uh, hallow it and all its utensils, and it shall be holy. You shall anoint the altar of the burnt offerings and all its utensils and consecrate the altar, and it shall be the most holy. Holiness comes because of the anointing. Holiness comes because of the anointing. In the same way that the Holy Spirit who makes us holy comes into our life because the anointing of Jesus. So before we used to have to anoint with oil for anything to be holy. But when Jesus came, he became the ultimate outpouring of the anointing oil. And as we partake and partner with that, we become holy. This means that we are no longer who we were. So if you're living in the same sin you were two years ago, something's not right. That doesn't mean you're not in a fight, that you're not in a battle, but it does mean that you're not operating in the anointing. The anointing does not signify that you're a super, super holy person. Actually, the anointing signifies that you're desperate for holiness. You're desperate for holiness. You understand your shortcomings. You understand your failings. You've come to the appropriate realization that you do not have the ability to resurrect anything in your life. Therefore, your dreams, your family, your marriage, your parenting, everything can't come to life unless you have the anointing of Christ in your life. So if these areas are struggling, can I tell you this morning, the good news is this, is that when we come down the front and we acknowledge the anointing of Christ through the symbolic act of being anointed, then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit begins to inhabit you and transformation takes place. We're just like the tabernacle. We need anointing. We need Jesus to turn up. This is what I love, but once we understand that the Holy Spirit who makes us holy because the anointing of Jesus, when we understand this, we realize more than ever this simple understanding, this simple thought. It's by his word, through his Holy Spirit, that we are changed to holiness. The more time we spend in his word, with alertness for the Holy Spirit, he begins to teach us through it. And the more we are transformed to holiness. My hope for you, and, and I've been through this season in my life, I know Pastor Emma has, and for a lot of you that I've caught up with and spent time with, I can see and hear that God's done this in your life. But he has, if he had never done what I'm about to talk to you about, I really believe 2020, especially after what Pastor uh, Brent Cantillon spoke last week about the idea of scattering and reviving biblical literacy in your life this is what you need to go through a season like this and it's this simple season and that's when you wake up one morning and you realize this only the word of God has the power to change me only the word of God has a power to change me see this is the process right I keep repeating myself because I want you to take this away this year and I want you to apply it but 
we get to that point of desperation. We ask Jesus, the anointing, into our life. And because we're now anointed, the Holy Spirit turns up. And the Holy Spirit begins to do the redemptive work of Christ, the transformation. How does he do that? By making us alert and aware of transformation through his word. The word is the conduit. So this is what I know the church suffers from right across the, the Western world is that we, get the, we want the anointing, we get the anointing, we get empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we think that we can operate in our life through the revelations that we have on our day-to-day, but never touching the written Word of God. But the Bible says that the main office of the Holy Spirit is to speak of the redemptive work of Christ, and the way that He does that is through the transformation of our life through the written Word. There is a partnership that takes place here, and if you do not have the Word in your life, then you are lacking. You're, you are impotent in your, your way of Christianity, your way of faith. And I know we have such a feelings-based society, so, oh, but worship made me feel like a, oh, I felt like this and I felt like that. I, Emma and I, when we talk about what God is doing in our life, we're not allowed to use the word feel. We sense. There's a difference. A sense is my spirit is connecting with God. I feel is something completely emotive, something that's just on the inside about, oh, I don't know, I feel. You can feel in love with the wrong person. That's the problem with feelings. But when it comes to God, I sense His Spirit is speaking to me and therefore I must go to the Word. Where do you turn to? Not Ghostbusters. You turn to the Word. See, I think how different this is in the life of Christ, because at the end of the day, he arrived here on earth holy, clean, unblemished, unlike us. It's actually for this reason that the anointing was on him. He says it, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because of which he has anointed me. Anointing had to reside in Christ because he was perfect. It had no choice. How amazing is that? With us, there's a, there's a choice moment where we have to choose to relinquish the old self and take hold of Christ. Jesus in himself is the anointing. So when you turn up in the morning and things aren't going great in your life, turning up to Jesus and going, hey, I need you right now, is not simply just because you need a therapist. It's because you're asking for that anointing. You say, I'm struggling in this area, Lord. What I love is that when we look at Jesus' life, completely holy, without blemish, perfect and clean, he spends most of his time with the worst of the worst. Tax collectors, the fraudsters, the prostitutes. This is who he chose to spend time with. And And I know why. It's because holiness reaches its best calling in the presence of the worst. That's the truth. And we are the worst. Paul says that I'm the worst of I'm the chief of sinners. Not Paul Chivaniak, Paul the Apostle. (laughs) (laughs) 
It gives us good insight so that when I say, God, this morning, would you anoint me for 2020 and the Holy Spirit, I want more of you to follow this anointing, that fresh outpouring of God's grace and God's goodness, but more importantly, his power in my life. That that would be so not that we would call our little, our little group here home and just do our own thing and we're all holy and pat each other on the back. But we would take that flame, that burning eternal oil inside of us and we take that holy transformation and we would drop it in the midst of lost, hurting and toxic environments. Because that's where holiness wants to be found. Because holiness is pervasive. It's an invasive type of disease. Like, it's just, it's not a disease, I shouldn't say that, but you know what I mean. It begins to spread because when someone sees hypocrisy, they don't see holiness. When they see judgment, they don't see holiness. All they just see is somebody giving them a hard time. But when they see true holiness, this trans, this radiance, this countenance, this grace, this love, this faith, this determination, this discipline, this unwavering love towards Jesus, that is such... Such an attractive thought, principle, faith that you want to be a part of. But it's, it's got to be. Think about the conversation Jesus must have had with Zacchaeus. We're not privy to it. But he goes and has dinner with him. But within that moment, he comes out and gives back more than he took. What took place? He, the holies of holies enters the most unclean place. A man who stole from the lease, who bettered himself, who turned on his own nation who is despised, holiness turns up in his life and the transformation, anointing turns up in his life and the transformation, spirit of God turns up in his life and the transformation is that he comes out and that the man who robbed becomes the blessing. Four times the amount. Think about that. People who without their, hated him, without their desire, against their will, invested into Zacchaeus. They had to. He robbed them. So they invested into him and they hated it. They hated Zacchaeus. But when Jesus turns up, the anointed one, the transformer, the holy one into his life, they get a return on his sin. They get a return four times the amount on their unwanted investment. Can I tell you right now that when we walk anointed, transformed and holy with God, when we go into places that are corrupt, that are hurting, that are dark, that have robbed people, hurt people and shamed people, we get to take that sin and through holiness, it becomes a return for the kingdom. That's true authority. That's true. So you're having a hard time at work? Just know right now, the reason you're having a hard time is because you're drawing from the bank of the enemy and he doesn't want to hand over the cash, but he knows he has no no authority, no power, that you got the card, you've put it in, you've got the pin number, Jesus, and you are withdrawing four times the amount he took from you. Why? So everyone around you could be blessed. That's what takes place when you're anointed. But we're so afraid of this, right? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're so afraid of this, but the reality is this morning when we anoint you, you're making that statement, Holy Spirit, come this morning, fill me from the bottom to overflowing, Lord God, right now I want to be transformed, I'm going to spend time in your word, I'm going to lead my family through your word, I'm going to make sure your word is the foundation of my marriage, the covenant in which both my wife and I, my husband and I have agreed upon, 
That's what you're doing when we anoint you this morning. When you get anointed this morning, you're saying, God, though I might be afraid, though I might be scared, though I might be intimidated, I will share your gospel. I'll preach your good news. I will see captives set free. I will see the blind restored. I will see oppression lifted from my workplace, from my family, from my community. Lord, I'd use me. Empty vessel. That's what we're asking you to do this morning. I know it sounds full on, but at the end of the day... Why live life halfway? Why live life halfway? I don't want to get to heaven. Jesus said, oh, well done, good and faithful and slightly intimidated and very quiet, very reserved and secretive servant. But you did, you did all right. Oh, I want to get there and I want heaven cheer. Like, yes, come on. You just knocked it out of the park. You're a hero of the faith. You went where others wouldn't go and you shone shone your light where others wouldn't shine the light. You spoke words of hope when there was only hopelessness. You took pain and you took hurt because of Jesus in you and you sustained it and you you took it and you transformed it in the Holy Spirit and you released it back out to the community. And you brought life when there was a hurting situation and you spoke life when everyone was speaking doubt. And when the news is coming in and it's bombarding us with impeachments and just facades and the Democrats are doing this, or, you know, Trudeau's got a brown face. Welcome to my life, Trudeau. And we look at what's going on in the state of Canada and we go, oh, the church is dying. I get so annoyed with that. Church shouldn't be dying. We are life. And this is why. Would you stand with me this morning? Matthew 16, 13 and 14, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Which now makes sense, as we've talked before, when they said, Oh, they think you're the Messiah. They think you're the Christ. Addressing Jesus with his title wasn't something amazing. It was just acknowledging who he was in the time. Other main religions do it. Islam says that Jesus was anointed. This is what makes Paul's response, sorry, Peter's response so powerful. Same chapter, 16, but verses 16 to 20, Peter answers and said, You are the Christ, the Messiah. Everyone said that. It's his follow-up statement that Jesus is amazed by. He says, the son of the living God. Peter says, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That promise to Peter is a promise to us, the church. And it's not based on us understanding that Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one. It's understanding because he is the son of God, he is the anointing. And because he is the anointing, the Holy Spirit will follow him. And when he does follow him, that's when we can bind and loose things on earth and we can bind and loose things on heaven. 
Not because we've said yes to Jesus as the Messiah, but because we said yes to Jesus as the living God. The Messiah, not a Messiah. The Savior, not a Savior. The prophet, the priest, the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the anointing you need in your life. It's the anointing you should want. It's the anointing we need to operate after. It's the anointing that the Holy Spirit chases down. So when the Bible says the Spirit of God is looking for those who worship in spirit and truth, it's looking for people that worship in the anointing of Jesus. This morning, I'm going to anoint a few of our leaders and then... In turn, you're going to come down the front in your time while we worship, and they're going to anoint and pray for you. And as you come, you're simply making this promise, God, this year, 2020. We're going to do this every year because I think it's a good reminder. But 2020, God, is the year that I preach the gospel. I heal the brokenhearted, bring freedom to the captive, and sight to the blind. And I loose heaven over the oppressed, break those chains. This is the year that the Holy Spirit turns up in my life because the anointing is so passionate right now. My love for Christ is on fire right now. First love, number one. Matt and Amanda, would you come? Poppy, Gordon and Julie. I'm going to anoint these guys first. These are some of our great leaders in the church. The anointing process doesn't have to happen by Pastor Ben. Just leaders that we know are on fire for Jesus. They've exampled their life. They understand and commit to the transformation of the Holy Spirit through the Word. I'm going to anoint them. And then in your time as you come down, they're going to anoint you. And they're going to pray for you. A simple blessing over the year. That's their part. Your part is, what are you bringing to God this morning? Are you bringing the commitment to do and aim at what Jesus aimed for? And he succeeded and he says, we can do all of this plus more in his name. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.